my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your heart and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. to see some new faces and some old familiar faces. Uh, we are in Psalm 121 this morning. Psalm 121, it's a psalm about help. And so I was wondering this morning, are you the type of person who finds it easy to ask for help? To ask for help. Now you could be someone who's come this morning who's really good at asking for help. You're the type of person who, you know, you recognize you have a need, and so you seek out help fairly timely, and you receive the help that you need, and you move on with your life. You could be that person. But in my limited life experience, that person did not exist. Most of us find it very hard to ask for help. You know, whether it's a medical problem for yourself, for your parents, whether it's asking help for homework, whether it's asking help on a job. For whatever reason, it seems we're hardwired to do things independently, and it takes us a long time to actually get the help we need. I remember numerous times when I, when I was working before this ministry job in an accounting firm, when I first started out, my senior would come to me and they'd go, Mike, can you just do this job for me? And I'd say, Leave it with me. And they'd exit the room. And I, after five minutes, I'd realize I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea what I'm doing. But instead of asking for help, I just look at the screen for two hours. Have you ever done this? And you just squint and you type some letters and you delete them again. And then two hours later, you see me and says, Why don't you just ask me for the help? And it's because maybe I was embarrassed or thought I'd look incompetent. Or maybe it was a sign of weakness. Whatever it is, we find it hard as people to actually seek and ask for help, don't we? This psalm's all about help. And today's psalm, the psalmist wants us to, to see that actually you and I, we need help from God. And we need to see that He sustains us each and every day. And I think one of his desires is for God's people to so rely and cry out to God for help to, for our daily bread. So I'm going to ask for God's help to help us see our need for his help. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you for gathering us today, for bringing back some old faces and some new friends to join us to listen to your word. And Father, we do pray that you would help us see our need for your help this morning as we start the new year, 2023. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as Derek helpfully mentioned, 
Uh, we're going through the Psalms, and this is one of the good arguments to go back to a paper Bible if you've moved on technologically, because the Psalm 121 is part of a mini group of Psalms, as Derek mentioned, or the Songs of Ascent, or Songs of Going Up. And why it's helpful to have a paper Bible is you can kind of see a lot of the Psalms of Ascent all kind of clustered together. And these songs um, typically were used to go up to Jerusalem, and so they're sort of like road trip songs. Next time you're on a road trip, you could use Psalms 120 to 134 to sing on your next road trip to the song of to the tune of your favourite Ed Sheeran song, Jamie. And um, and you can use those as an encouragement as you go up to your next destination. And Psalm 121 is a sample of that those songs, and it's a psalm that celebrates a clear and confident trust in God. So grab your Bibles, come with me to Psalm 121 and verse 1. A song of ascent. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the psalm begins with the psalmist and he raises his eyes to the hills. And I presume it's the hills where God's dwelling place is in Jerusalem. And he recognizes that the source of his help, it comes from God. The Lord himself, the one who made the hills and the whole world, is the one who helps the psalmist. Now the first question is, what kind of help is the psalmist referring to? Is he asking for God's help for the for a, kind of the best kind of car insurance policy? Is he asking for help in terms of getting his children's education just right? What is the help that the psalmist do you think is referring to here? The key to that question, I think, is actually in Psalm 120, the psalm just before. So if you lift your eyes, just back one psalm, Psalm 120 to verse 5, and see if you know what he's talking about. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedah. Too long have I had my dwellings among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Okay, so the psalmist, when he prays in Psalm 120, He's actually recognizing that he lives in a world where he doesn't belong. So when Psalm 121, when he says, A look to the hills, where does my help come from? Comes from the Lord. He's saying that the Lord helps him to live faithfully in a world which is not his own. He dwells in a place where people use their words for destruction and war. And he's just sick and he's tired of it. So he says, God, I need your help to live in a world where I just do not belong. And that is the world that you and I live as Christian people as well. The New Testament says that if you put your trust in Jesus, then this world is not our home. That we're temporary residents passing through an eternal Heaven, that's our home. People often ask me, Mike, where do you come from? 
and I'm confusing myself because my parents, Malaysian Chinese, I was born in England, grew up in Australia. I don't know where I'm from, really. But the, the scriptures remind me that my citizenship is in heaven. That's where I belong. Now is just a passing through. And I wonder how much you and I believe that reality. How much do you and I hold on to this life? How are we preparing for the life to come versus the life you live now? Are you making preparations for this world or the life to come? I see a lot of parents and people for themselves as well making a lot of preparations for their children to excel in this life. Extracurricular activities, pursuing education, that's the best. Social activities, sporting achievements. And in Sydney culture, it's not just kind of participation, it's actually trying to be the best. And the psalmist is reminding us today, it's not about saying you can't do those things. But how does your mindset change if you know that you're passing through this life? How are you making preparations for the world to come? Storing up treasures for your eternal home. Once we get there, we will pray and we will acknowledge, like the psalmist, my help comes from the Lord. We need His help to live a godly life here and now. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and The rest of the psalm, it's really an expression of how God shows that help and it's captured in one particular word. You've probably noticed it being repeated. In the psalm, that's the word keep. So how God helps his people to live in this life is he keeps his people. So let's have a look at verse 3. He, God, will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. As he continues to journey towards Jerusalem, he says, I'm confident in God because as I put my trust in the maker of heaven and earth, I will stand on solid ground. It's like going through a bushwalk or a trek. You want to stand on a solid rock or solid path and standing on God and his promises for the psalmist is solid and it's secure. Unlike the things that we see around us, the maker of heaven and earth is the one who we can stand on to find true security. And I particularly love this image of God not sleeping. He never slumbers. He never nods off. He never micro-sleeps. Now, it's kind of strange, isn't it, to think about God not sleeping. You just think of someone sort of sitting there staring at all the time. But what, but what it is, it's a poetic way of saying that 
our God, the Lord of Israel, is the one who is always ready, always standing, always prepared, and always at watch over his people, ready to work on their behalf and to look after them. And just to kind of help us to see how big a deal that is, does anyone know what the Guinness World Record is for the number of days that a human being has not slept for? Does anyone put up their hand and have a guess? Hands up. Guinness World Record for the number of days not slept. Esther, three days higher. Zach, 18 lower. He'd be dead at that point. Um, Sevi, five higher. We're getting closer. Down the back. Seven, nearly there. Oh, just a bit higher than that. Last guess. Ten, close enough. 11 days. 11 days is the longest Guinness World Record than a human being having slept. Now, you can't break that record because they took it off as a category. They decided it was too dangerous a category to have. More dangerous than riding a bicycle across a tightrope over a canyon. More dangerous than balancing a car on your head with nothing else. Sleep deprivation, they said, it's too dangerous. And so the Lord, it's hard to picture, but the Lord, our God, has been awake and alert and ready from the beginning of all eternity, whenever that was, to every waking second that we have now, ready and able to look after and watch over his people. You and I, especially me, I can't go 12 hours without getting grumpy at someone else. But the Lord, our God, stands ready to watch and protect us. Friends, there is, a, I think, a great application for us here to think about the God who never sleeps and who never slumbers. And that is, once we understand that we, our help comes from the God who is always ready, who never slumbers, we can then enjoy and rest in our finiteness, or as experts sometimes use the word, you and I have human limitations and we can actually enjoy and rest in those and not pretend to try and be God. Because I know some of us here are the type of people that we just keep pushing ourselves. We take on responsibility that's not ours. And we look after people to the extent where we're exhausted and we become grumpy. And I know that's somehow part of who God's made you to be. But if if we serve a God who never sleeps and is always ready and watching over us, then this year is your opportunity to not be God. At some point, you just have to stop and you have to entrust your life to the God who never sleeps and who always takes care of you. That's his job. point in the psalm, we still haven't answered a a really important question, and that question is, what exactly does God keep us from? 
because the, the passage so far has kept saying God is our helper. He keeps us, he keeps us, he never sleeps, he's always ready to keep us. But what is he keeping us from? And the psalm answers this question in the second half of the psalm. So come with me to verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the sun and moon, it will, it will not harm you. It's a poetic way of picturing God as a protector. But I want you to notice the transition to verse 7. What is he protecting his people from? He's protecting them from evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. That is, the psalmist knows that for, for Israel and for you and I, that God does not keep you 100% clear from any physical distress. If you're a Christian person, you will experience the physical trauma of this life. In our congregation alone, there's been unexpected illnesses, extreme fatigue, mental challenges, conflicts in the home, demanding workplaces where you just feel like it's relentless and you can't get out of it. But the psalmist is saying that the Lord, in those seasons in particular, he will keep you from evil. He will protect you and watch over you. And as our New Testament passage said, that there's nothing, none of those things, there's nothing at all in this life that will separate us from the love of God in the person of Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. And the Lord watches over and protects his people from that harm and that kind of thing. Some of us um, have a mutual friend. He's, he's not at this congregation, but a Christian man, and he's a Christian that has been involved in aid ministry for a long time. And one day he went overseas on a vacation, and he got an infection in his blood, came back to Australia, and within a few weeks he couldn't walk, couldn't talk, and had to relearn all of these things all over again through constant pain and but if you meet this guy, you just kind of think, like, that's not fair, because he's the most humble, gentle soul you could ever meet. And so the psalmist is not saying that you and I will not experience the hard trials of life. But it is saying that even in those seasons, the Lord watches and he protects us, keeps us from evil. And friends, I know this, and you can know this, because we lift our eyes to the hills. And it's not just the hills of Psalm 121. It's actually a hill which people didn't look to for inspiration or help. The New Testament describes a particular hill that was outside the main city. And the name of this hill was called Golgotha. It was the place of the skull. 
And it was called the place of the skull because it was a place where criminals were executed and humiliated. But the Christian person, we actually lift our eyes to that hill where the Lord Jesus was persecuted, was executed, and was crucified. Because we, in that moment on the cross at the hill of Golgotha, God actually makes his promise that he will protect us from all evil in the death of his son. Well, at that hill was the point where Jesus defeated death once and for all. So how can I say the Lord will keep us from evil all our life? I can say that because the hill where the cross of Christ was is the place where the Lord, my God, guarantees that he will protect me both now and forevermore. So friends, in all our comings and goings, as you go out from today in this church gathering, as you come home to your places of rest, as you go out to your places of work, as you come home to your sometimes perhaps difficult family relationships, as you go out to Bible college next year, as you come back because it didn't work out. In all our comings and goings, the Lord watches over and protects us in every moment of the day. There is not a single thing that you and I do that is unimportant to God, where he doesn't notice what is going on. We serve a God who never sleeps, who never slumbers, who's always ready to work for his glory and for your good. So Psalm 121, I wonder if this psalm would be a prayer and an acknowledgement that would come to us each day. That as we wake each day, we pray, God, I recognize I need your help this day to live in faithfulness to your son each and every morning each and every evening. And for those of us who find it hard to ask for help, maybe you can add the prayer, would you help me to receive that help in humility? Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven. with these wonderful words in the New Testament. It's in the book called The Book of Jude, and it acknowledges the same God who is able to keep us from all evil and harm. Jude 24, Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.